Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for May 26, 2019. And we are broadcasting, not live, from Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Uh, the last week of, of May. And uh, this is, is this? No, we have one more Sunday in Easter, right? Right. Okay. Seven. Yeah, seven. We're, we're almost to the day of Pentecost. I'm sorry, day of Ascension. Ascension. Which falls on... Thursday, right? Um, but not quite there yet. Okay. And knowing what weekend this is referring to, I should say, vroom, vroom, vroom. yes, exactly. It's the the race day in Indianapolis, which is all that we're known for. Otherwise, it's you know cornfields and, and cows, right? I think <laughs> and basketball and basketball. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> which is also lamentably over. So yeah, so happy race day. Uh, I'm sure that uh, um, we'll come to find that just like every other race day, it's like the hottest one on record. And uh, and uh, 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 congratulations to the person who drove their car so fast. Well, no, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> oh, that's right. It happened. Well, it happens. Yeah, you know, yeah, it happened. When someone listens to this podcast, it's still upcoming. It's, it, as, as you know, it's really hard for me to stay relevant uh, yes. and timely. So that's a... Uh, <laughs> That's not. And congratulations to anyone outside of Indianapolis listening to this podcast, because you actually get to watch the race on TV. Right, exactly. And don't have blackout. to deal with the traffic on the west right. side. <laughs> 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 Very much in line with, uh, uh, we had a traffic-related uh, 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 sermon today, so that was uh, um, uh, continuing in that, in, in that vein, in that method. So, That's right. Um, speaking of timely and, uh, um, uh, relevant, uh, we're, let me, let me move into today's, uh, uh podcast sponsor <clears throat> and forgive me. I'm going to try to see if I can put on a voice for this one. Okay. <clears throat> it is a sad time for all throughout the world this week for eight seasons. We have all indulged in our c- collective guilty pleasure game of Thrones <laughs> and this past Sunday saw our watch come to an, a sad and divisive end, or so we all thought. Coming this summer, from a production video production arm of Holy Family Studios, and the director of some fundraising videos a few years ago that you probably don't remember, comes an all-new series, Game of Thrones Episcopalian Unit. Watch with mild excitement as all new characters compete for the bishop's throne in West Terahotaros. <laughs> Everyone will awe as all are welcome to enjoy a fantastic cast sporting oddly more diversity than the original show. Instead of fighting each other, enjoy minimal action sequences and robust dialogue as everyone says nice things about each other and no one actually pursues the throne. Because, obviously, that's where God sits. And, of course, what would the show be without fundraisers, fish fries, and committees? <laughs> lots and lots of committees. Ah! Game of Thrones, Episcopalian unit, no dragons, no unity, little less cursing, and about the same amount of wine. So, enjoy! And also with you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think we're going to be subbing in for Game of Thrones. Uh, that's really not our wheelhouse, I suppose. Um. <laughs> Just as well in terms of copyrights, right? Exactly, <laughs> books and TV show copyrights. 
So, uh, so uh, yeah, I, I apologize to like all 12 million people who share the same password as whoever owns that password's probably canceled it by now. Because <laughs> it's over. And no one liked the last season, I'm sure. <laughs> so uh, there's there's my attempt to be topical and relevant. Um, but uh, speaking of topical and relevant, let's talk about a book that was written over 2,000 years ago. Um, and yet still and widely still, read. Uh, still very actively uh, relevant in, in today's age. <clears throat> uh, so our first reading here is Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and look and took a straight course to, oh, I should have practiced this, uh, <laughs> Samothrace? Sure. The following day to Neapolis. And there, from there to Philippi, which is the, a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river where we supposed, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the woman, women who gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Trite... Ooh. Ryachira. Sure. And a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Um So this is a this is a verse that uh, or a, a reading that um not a whole lot going on. <laughs> what do we? What can we say about this verse here? Uh, because uh, you know, it, it has a lot of references. Uh, we've we've discussed this before. Sometimes there are uh, um, references to a certain person giving a specific name, a specific location to uh, drive home the importance of this really did happen, and here's where it took place, and 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 give uh, give relevant detail information so that uh, it's believable and 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 resonates with the 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 reader that of where this took place right. on the map sets the scene but uh um other than that like so they established the location and they met a lady <laughs> and talked to her about god and she invited them to their her home am i Am I missing? <laughs> you skipped the part about her and her household being baptized. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, that. This is a conversion story. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the okay. center of it. Is this uh, also um, tying into the greater narrative of, of going outside of the traditional Jewish settlements and, and, yep. and, and meeting people, Gentiles and other locations. And here's another story about how we, is Lydia a, would be a Gentile according to the yep. locations and well, both by location and uh, I, the way Tira, <laughs> the, the city she's from. Yeah. <clears throat> and also it says she was a worshiper of God. Mm -hmm. And that's um, code language isn't the right word, so it wasn't at all mysterious to the first readers. But to us, it may seem like code language. Okay, to someone who's not Jewish, 
but is worshiping the one true God. Okay. So a worshiper of God is, you hear that or you read that, and you know that's someone who, while they've not converted to Judaism, they do believe in the one true God and follow the ethical um, guide, guidance and the prayer systems and mm -hmm. they'll be in synagogue every week and all that sort of stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I'm, I'm curious as to why, uh, again, maybe this is just a detail for context purposes, but uh, a dealer in purple cloth was... Uh -huh mentioned and it's kind of like okay i mean that's not my team color so why should i care right yeah uh, i know that purple is a royal color and was yeah. very uh difficult to obtain right back then it was a very rare color because you had to dye it uh nothing naturally took a purple tone or mm -hmm. hue as far as uh for for clothing purposes but um so so is, is there some meat to those bones? Or? Right, there okay. is. That um, we know that because she was a purveyor, a merchant of purple cloth, mm -hmm. that you know, she had a Cadillac dealership, dealership or Mercedes-Benz car dealership. Mm. She was someone who was a very upscale retailer. Okay. And so presumably made very good profits, had... Uh, fairly high standard of living herself uh -huh. and because it talks about her and her household she was a single woman uh -huh. we don't know the history to know whether she had ever been married or not but that meant she also had a certain amount of status within the, the society around her uh -huh. so she was quite an accomplished businesswoman uh -huh. so this is getting us to, in a sense, a, a slightly different population than Jesus touched in the Galilee, mm -hmm. who tended to be much less affluent mm -hmm. and sort of on the, the outskirts of the power structures and the economic um, power levels. And here is Lydia, who is uh, probably even upper class merchant, mm -hmm. who would have been, you know, perhaps even president of local business association. Right. And she is converting to become a follower of the way. So this is expanding the audience that Jesus appealed to in the Galilee to in this area of uh, what's now Greece uh, to a, a whole nother social strata mm -hmm. and also Gentile. Interesting. You're, I, yeah, now that I think about it, you're not wrong. The uh, the, the the stories in the Gospels are often uh, they're 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 poor, they're destitute, they're 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 widowed. They're mm -hmm. uh, and, and the people who are affluent who come into the story oftentimes play a role uh, uh, against uh, Christ and his followers. Right. They're opposition uh, voices. They're the, the, the few that aren't necessarily opposition voices, oftentimes like uh, the, the one that, that comes to mind, it falls flat. And it's, uh, I forget the exactly who it was that came to him and asked. Uh, and he talks about uh, uh, you have to give away your earthly possessions. And he goes away dejected because it, he's, that, wealthy. he's very wealthy and found that to be difficult and, and, and nigh impossible. And, and don't feel bad you don't remember her name because he had has no name in the gospel. Oh, see, there you go. I yeah. knew that. You knew that. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Look how smart. I am. Um, uh, but but yeah. So so this is 
this is uh, continuing that narrative of, uh, and, and we even talked about it this past week, um, of of, uh, of going outside that checklist. And, and right. thus far, all those stories had been, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the people in need and, and, and the people on the outskirts that, that uh, Christ interacted with and healed and spoke to and blessed. And, yeah. and this is taking that message beyond uh, just that circle of, of people and saying, not just not just them, even the the, mm-hmm. the the high end status. And here's an example of where people who are high uh, of, of high uh, social circles who hear this story and understand. But this character in particular, as you mentioned, her her, her probable attributes uh, would be uh, kind of like a, 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 a I guess a Roman unicorn in a way, uh, because <laughs> be, because. Uh, it's it's fairly widely known, or at least at least I, uh, I've been told or taught or read that um, uh, very often women did not have uh, uh, very prominent places mm. in society and and were not uh, were not well uh, educated and would not have owned businesses very often and and so this would have been uh, uh, definitely definitely somebody who was smart and probably educated i don't think she, i don't know if right. she would have gotten to that status had she not uh not been such well and that's the other dimension of getting out of the galilee and jerusalem neighborhoods is that in greece women had a much higher status within society mm. current greece um, sure sure the, and so in the area and that so that's part of the significance of all these geographical markers is that people familiar with what the society was like at the time of the Book of Acts would say, oh, okay, now they're heading out to that little more cosmopolitan area where women were educated and could be uh, single and still respected in society Mm -hmm. and live lives without a dependence upon male authority or um, imprintor Mm -hmm. in order to have a successful and happy life. And I think part of the interesting dynamic of that is that the book of Acts becomes, therefore, a very contemporary scripture for mm. us today, mm-hmm. where um, Lydia's story could be the story of many middle class Christians in the United States. Right. And so at a time when in our culture today, there's a growing debate in certain circles anyway of is Christianity at all relevant anymore? Mm-hmm. Here's a story of a, a woman who in theory didn't need anything. She was right. independent. She was wealthy. Um, she was uh, respected, successful, educated, all those things. And yet she too was captivated by the story of Christ mm-hmm. and how um Presumably, the Holy Spirit moving through her helped her to to step closer and closer to uh, the life with Christ. And we know she was doing searching before that because she was a woman of God. Mm -hmm. She was a worshiper of God. I'm sorry, that was the term, worshiper of God. Yeah. So she she was one of these people that might have been even labeled back then as spiritual but not religious. She had not converted to Judaism. She was simply worshiping. Hmm. Interesting. Very, yeah. Very interesting. It's fascinating. Yeah. It, it 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 definitely as you start to put in those those layers of context. Um, yeah. I mean that would be it'd be interesting being a reader in some of the original Galilean territories and and you'd realize of like oh yeah the, you know 
kind of kind of a remote um more more of a remote culture uh you know tucked away in a corner of the world at that at, at that point mm-hmm. in time whereas these cities probably meant like oh like those are that's like a port city they right. get stuff from foreign well, lands and if you're if you're a merchant in purple cloth you're going to have to have an international what we would call an international market yeah It'll probably all be within the roman empire so technically not but yeah the the people in your own town would not have the money to keep a purple cloth merchant in business right but i'm kind of it's not just that we know historically that the area she was in Provide purple cloth for wide swath of the Roman Empire, right? And 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 so I guess my point on that was that that uh, original readers from Galilean territory should be like, oh, this is this is like really taken off. Yeah, this is this well, is not a New York City. Yeah, well, this is, but like you maybe know, Chicago, <laughs> but, but to the to the ends of lands that they were aware yeah. of. I yeah. mean, this is you know this hey, this is a big deal. This is yeah. this is not just a local you know a story about a local boy. Well, yeah. uh, um, this is this is starting to really catch on, and it's the urbanization of Christianity, mm-hmm. which again in our our contemporary time may seem like a distant dynamic, right? But Jesus prim- did almost all of his teachings, um, particularly in the first three Gospels, in rural Galilee. In John, he does a little more teaching in Jerusalem, and here in the Book of Acts. What keeps getting emphasized are the major cities mm-hmm. that um, Christianity is now becoming uh, urban religion, uh, urban expression of being faithful to God, and it is absolutely taking off. Yeah, it's not at all limited to a r- rural audience. It's not just relevant, not just relevant to the poor. It also appeals to middle and upper class as well. Very interesting. Yeah, it's amazing to see. All right. Sorry, Axe. Sorry, sorry reading from Axe. You're more interesting than I initially <laughs> gave you credit for. Probably spent too much time on it. That's all right. Uh, Revelation. We'll, we'll spend less time on this then. Yeah. <laughs> Revelation 21, verses 10, 22 through chapter 22, verse 5. So that's uh, complicated, but we're, we're going to take this first verse and then skip a whole bunch. <laughs> And in the spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, read that wrong, Uh, (laughs) flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there any more, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night, they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Um, 
going back on previous readings from mm-hmm. Revelation just in these past five weeks or so. Right. Um, um, it seems as though it's still a, uh, it's, it's a continuation of that hopeful story. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything um, different in this reading that, that is uh, um, maybe contextually different than, than, than the previous readings out of Revelation and that story of hope and that story? I mean, I do find it interesting. He, the author takes the moment to point out no temple in the city. Right. Uh, which I assume is kind of uh, the author's point of saying we've put an awful lot of emphasis on the temple and the city of Jerusalem. This shining example of the future, uh, that's not really the point of, of, of worshiping God. And the temple is just a construct, and we, we don't need it in this iteration because the Lamb... God is the light, and we there's no need for um, this physical construct, which admittedly was was a, it, it was and is still a center of of uh, of of thought and concern to you know to the Jewish nation. It's been raised up and destroyed a couple of times, and it was kind of their symbol and beacon of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is more taking. Kind of like pushing the focus away, or is that just me reading into it a little too much? You're half there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and certainly within Christianity, there are others who'd say you're completely there. Mm. But what's, I th- what, what struck me, even before you started to ask about this, is that when this was written down and started to be distributed, the temple was gone. Right. And so... It wasn't a don't pay attention to that temple anymore mm-hmm. because there's no literally right. no temple there. Every stone had been pushed over and the debris mm-hmm. burned, um, and so there's no way to rebuild it either uh, with the same stones. And it never was. That rock pile is still there pretty much as it was left, um, except for the mosque that's built, built on top. But anyway, the... This passage in some way spiritualizes or makes spiritual sense of the Romans destroying the temple. Mm -hmm. And uh, another passage of hope and reassurance that even though what we, in terms of the tradition of the people for whom this book was written, Book of Revelation was written, even though the temple was seen metaphorically and sometimes almost physically to be the footstool of God, to be uh-huh. the place where you could count on God being. Right. It wasn't going to be that way anymore. Right. And that their hope should not be in rebuilding the temple for the, I guess it would be fourth time, uh-huh. but instead to focus on this amazing, transcendent, universal temple that is part of the, the godly realm. Mm-hmm. God's kingdom, and so there there isn't need anymore for stone on stone, and there isn't need anymore for making sacrifices or any of those worshipful practices that people had done faithfully and meaningfully for centuries. Now it was instead this mystical task of allowing the light of God to be your torch and the presence of God to be your offering and, and all these different ways the imagery is played with. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I suppose because in a way, um, whether on purpose or, or or not on purpose, or if I'm completely imagining it, um, it, it there with the temple itself, it kind of plays uh, very similar as to. Um, uh, the Greek style of worship to the gods uh, in, in that, like, you know, the Athenaeum was, you know, it Zeus's temple and that's mm -hmm. where you go to actually be able to get close to and commun communicate with, you know, what, you know, the Greek gods. Right. And this is kind of like pushing that yeah, transitioning that, that, away from that. that mentality away. I'm like, no, 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 you don't, it's not just at this one place right. where you come in front of God's presence. This is, you know, God, you know, is pervasive in this in this regard. And it's like through everything. And yeah. Well outside those walls. And that and we gotta stop thinking the same way that, you know, that has been the the, the process for you know or the thought process for, for millennia mm -hmm. of of that's not how this works. You don't yeah. have to build an altar and and sacrifice something in, to commune with God. You don't have to build a temple. You don't have to build a permanent structure. This this is you live with your creator, right? Wherever you go, and yeah, and that's in many ways it's an interesting uh, dynamic of particularly Greek and Roman culture, though really all Samaritan religions and Can Canaanite religions that you know had that dynamic mm -hmm. of. The, the the god with a small g that a particular group of people worshipped was going to be physically contained within a structure. Mm -hmm. And maybe and in the case of the Greek and Roman theology, for lack of a better word, uh, may not always be there, but you could count on that being sort of the walkie-talkie. Mm -hmm. And within the Hebrew scriptures, you know, from the very beginning of the human and divine interaction, God was very clear that a temple is not needed. And right. like the, the almost um, wrestling match with uh, King David of, no, don't build a temple, doggone it. Right, right. And David said, oh, but, you know, we can glorify you that way. And God's saying, no, you're going to mess it up. You know? <laughs> Is, is is maybe that uh, as as a result of that one of the transitionary thoughts uh, is that where we get your body as a temple from? No, actually, Paul writes that. Okay, but well, that's what, I, oh, but I see what you're saying. Yes, yeah. yes, that, that we don't need a physical temple. Your body is the temple. Yes, and it goes carry you know carries, very much so. You carry it wherever you go. Yeah, when he was talking to people who were immersed in the Greek and Roman um, spiritual practices, yes, he was saying yeah, you don't got to go up to that hilltop and sacrifice gotcha. your body is a temple so it's always your your walkie-talkie is always with you gotcha so th therefore the, the 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 next phase of of that thought process is i really don't have to eat healthily <laughs> <laughs> because the point is not that you need a temple <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're free i can eat those oreos come on I was going to say, you're my free body to... as a temple was just a transition <laughs> to get to another, another, uh, another thought process uh, uh, about how to commune with God. No, <laughs> I really want those Oreos. I was um, going to say, half of Fisher's is lining up the new Dunkin' Donuts down the street. That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, because that—that's just a whole other um, spiritual practice of of. Eating well in order to be uh, equipped to be God's hands in the world, mm -hmm. uh, but also eating ethically. There you and, go. And 
I've not researched Oreos to know if they're ethically sourced, but one of those things. To one think would about. assume not. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think that would be the natural assumption from which you come from, and then you do your research to right. either be uh, reaffirmed or pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's enough because uh, Oreos are not a biblical topic, I suppose. Right. Um, moving on, there's actually a couple of uh, two options here for our gospel reading, but we're going to go with John chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, right? Uh, right. Apologies to John chapter 14, verses 23 through 29. You didn't make the cut. Both um, worthy. Father Bruce found you uh, uninspired. No, oh. just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, okay, so chapter 5, verse 1 through 9 reads this way. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, there is a pool called, in Hebrew, Beth Zahan, Beth Zahan, oh man. Just roll Beth with it. Zatha. Beth Zatha. Sure. There, you got it. Which has five porticos. In these lay many invalids, in, invalids, invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was a Sabbath. Um... So again, uh, we mentioned it earlier in this podcast. Uh, oftentimes, uh, the 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 members that are the people that Jesus speaks to and heals are are the lower class, right. the poor. Um, apologies to them for call, accidentally calling them invalids. That's not what I meant. Um, but uh, so within that society, that that would have been how they were seen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. Uh, uh, being ill 38 years, uh, obviously most of his life, right. uh, if not all of his life, uh, mm -hmm. uh, we didn't live that long uh, back right. then. Um, but tell me about, this kind of implies a, a tradition that we don't go into uh, further explanation on. Uh, so so mm -hmm. tell me about this process, because he's talking about how, well, I keep getting to make it into the pool... Uh, but someone beats me there. So, is no. there is is this a this is a healing pool or what, what's the deal here? It's, it's one of the reasons I chose this one over the other is that it, it's this interesting um, tradition that grew up around this pool that's at, at the Sheep Gate in ancient Jerusalem, where taking the story of the creation of the world, where the spirit moved across the waters. Mm -hmm. There developed a tradition around this pool that the first time the water was moved by natural air, it was the Holy Spirit that they would have, it was the Spirit of God mm -hmm. moving over that water. And so God's presence was especially strong in that moment. And so the first one or maybe a small group of people to get to the water as God's Spirit was moving across it would have access to miraculous healing. Interesting. So this character had uh, uh, a tremendous amount of faith in God, right? But also specifically in this tradition, in in this yeah. in this particular belief. Um, one assumes, at least, uh, oh, that, think, that's yeah. why people he and he and others, uh, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed, 
we're gathered there. We're, we're gathered there and probably stayed there uh, uh, um, the whole time I would in, think in the so. hopes that their creator would come down and bless the water, the first and, in the water. And, and and give them some sort of uh, I don't know was was it a belief that it would heal that person specifically or was it just a blessing or like what was the um, it would it would be a, a supernatural healing okay. of that person gotcha and since breezes can come up at any time yeah they were probably there 24 7 mm. interesting so actually they probably went to worship uh, on the sabbath but okay almost all the time uh if they went to worship on the sabbath the verse points out that that day was a sabbath so Ooh, interesting that's true so what was going on with this guy Ar uh, well obviously uh he's the, the the version of his his illness was uh some sort of paralytic mm -hmm. illness because he was mentioning one he's given a command to get up and walk uh, but two, you know, he mentions that no one would carry him down into the pool, so yeah. he's not able to get there on on his own uh, through his own methods. So perhaps that his that's his out for not going to worship. Though so on the other hand, in in the Gospels, it's pretty to various degrees. It's explicit or implied that Jesus never missed the Sabbath worship. Mm. So this could be during coffee hour. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I mean, to, yeah. to be flip about it. Yeah, no, I, I know but, what yeah, you mean. There's it's a, after worship. Yeah. Uh huh. Very good. Um, so, um, so this is this is. Um, I find this this interaction interesting because this is, um, as you dig in deeper, realizing that um, maybe this is a a um, Jesus correcting or trying to correct uh, uh, um, good intentions but misplaced intentions of mm -hmm. like, you know, that's not how. Not that's works. not how God works. Right. You know, this is, you know, this is, uh, you know, um, um, stop looking to the fool. Stop looking for. It's not gimmick. Um, God doesn't work through gimmicks. Right. 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 Um, so the, the, which kind of flies later on in our, our religious history in, in the face of, you know, concepts of holy relics or, yeah. you know, uh, um, um, being able to purchase, I forget the terminology for Indulgences. It. Indulgences yes, yep. thank you. Um, um, fly, yeah, we, we, we revert back to some old practices as a result. Well, it's always tempting because then, because part of the dynamic in this story is that there's a lot of hum, human control over the miracle process. Mm -hmm. Where it's not that God chooses who to bless, it's instead the person wins the foot race into the water. Mm -hmm. And so by their own power, they get to receive the healing. Whereas part of what happens here is Jesus turning that completely on its head mm -hmm. and basically just saying, you want to be healed. Yeah. And because I think what this fellow was getting at was, you know, Jesus, you could hang out here a little bit and you're you know, strapping young man. You could carry me down there next time the breeze comes up. Gotcha. So just stay here and do what I say and I'll get in that water first. And instead, Jesus gives him something that he never anticipated to be given him in a way he never thought it would be given him. Yeah, it is it, it is interesting. Um some of the some of the healing stories uh have two aspects which uh this story is is missing, or at least in my mind is is, is missing. One the sick man does not acknowledge Christ as 
a lot of people were are, are healed by their faith in him as right. the savior right right this story is is absent uh, uh that mechanic right it's also absent um one of the fun little uh, mechanics, a lot of the healing stories where Christ tells them, like, now don't tell anybody. Right. Now, I don't know if this occurs in any of the other Gospels, and that is a is an aspect, or if this is a John uh, standalone adventure. Uh, but uh, but uh, I find it interesting that those those two aspects, which kind of are you know uh, uh, traditional parts of a lot of the the stories that we remember, uh, aren't really part of of this one. He's just engages in conversation and he goes, you know what? There you go. Ta-da. Yeah. Yeah. And that what if we had been able to read on, um, it says that it'll say in, um, verse 13 that the, here's how it reads. The man who had been healed did not know who it was for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd that was there. Yeah. So yeah, the, the person who was healed had no idea. Is this John's style for yeah. a lot of these interactions of that, that, uh, whereas some of the other gospels, I believe, you know, you could, you could argue, uh, they either, uh, they, they either insert or, or embellish the fanfare involved as is John's style. Just like, and, um, you know, Jesus came across this person and said, yeah, here you go. Well, <laughs> is that yeah, a- part of, part of it is John with miracles it's two things. One, it always makes a point. Mm-hmm. And the second is it's always at um, Jesus. Uh, Jesus always starts the ball rolling on the miracle. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the other three gospels, people will seek him out for it because they've heard he's a miracle worker because mm-hmm. they've heard he's this, that, or the other thing. They, and like you say, there's the dynamic of their faith of um, you know, the Holy Spirit's leading them towards Jesus. Whereas, in the Gospel of John, the miracles are started by Jesus for Jesus's own purposes, mm-hmm. and no one gets to tell Jesus what to do except his mother at the miracle of the wedding in Cana, the very right. first miracle Jesus right. does. Um, and even she doesn't completely say it, but that's the only time that someone else starts the ball rolling on a mm. miracle taking place. The rest of the time, Jesus chooses to do it. Yeah. And... Part of that is that John has a very um, high view of how Jesus walked on earth, uh, that Jesus was kind of godlike mm-hmm. in a way that the other three emphasize Jesus's humanity. Interesting. The, 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 the style, the styles are very, very interesting. And it, 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 like I said, one of the, one of the things that I enjoy about this podcast is, you know, pulling those, those pieces yeah, apart. Me too. Um, um so um well i think i think that's about it right? i think we're about out of time we could keep digging but well you know what, what can you do uh we have one more week of coming back to acts revelation and john yes in that in that order uh uh so uh so join us for uh for our june 2nd podcast next week uh but uh in the meantime i hope you enjoyed uh this one uh as always come feel free to come and and uh visit holy family on sunday uh, 8 and 10 uh, we have a nine o'clock uh, uh, adult forum and 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 youth uh, um, yeah what would you call it youth group meeting mm-hmm. session what we used sesh. to call we used to call a rap session for the kids <laughs> that was back when we were trying to fool ourselves into thinking we're cool we're a lot that. smarter than that back it, when it, I was a kid. <laughs>
we are not that cool. Yeah, we've given up on that, <laughs> fortunately. Um, but uh, but yeah, and and yeah. then uh, and then of course donuts and coffee at the end, which right. is uh, completes the sacramental cycle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, communion, wine, and bread, <laughs> plus coffee and, and donut at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, really is as God intended it. Um, so, uh, but uh, th- thanks for joining us uh, on this pad- podcast, and we will uh, we'll definitely talk to you next week. Uh, I'm Ben, and I'm Bruce, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.